Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John starts a whole new series. This series is entitled PowerPoints. Today's message is part number one of that series, and it is entitled Power Plants. And now here is today's message. I just can't, I can't get away from it. I'm just going to say it one more time. He's bigger than you think he is. He's bigger than you think he is. So listen, we had a, um, I told you about this last week. We had a couple that we met that, uh, or a lady that we met at Rebel Fest, and she just made a prayer request and moved on. We got involved, and, um, and God moved on their behalf. Um, I told you about it last week. This lady uh, and her family have been without power for two years. They've been drawing water from the creek. They have, she has asthma, one of her children has asthma. It's, it's unbearably hot outside. And when there's no air moving, circulating in your house, it's, it's just hard to breathe for anybody. And so she made a prayer request not knowing how big her God was. And I, I can tell you as of right now, haven't had complete confirmation yet, but as far as I know, when last we spoke, the power is on at their house now. Because of you. Because of you. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for allowing God to work through you because without you and your gifts, there's no way we could have helped them. So uh, we, we, we took about, we, I mentioned it to you last week and a lot of you gave and you gave about half of what we need, of what we needed. And so I stepped out in faith this week and I told Missy, I said, let's just get the power on. And I know that people will come through. I know the Lord will lead people. We had some people say, I, I'm, I wasn't prepared to give this morning. I want to give next week. That's fine. If you're prepared to give this week and you weren't last week, then go ahead and give. But we went ahead in faith and just got the power back on for them. And we were looking forward to just building a relationship with them and seeing what God is going to do in their lives, not just physically, but, but spiritually as well. So thank you. I, I, I don't think she understood how big her God was when she just said, pray for us. We have a situation. And that was it. So praise God and thank you for being a part of how that uh, of how that works. Let me say thank you also to those of you who took the assess me uh, tests last week like I invited you to and asked you to. Uh, several of you did this week. Thank you very much. Uh, and we already have some people placed in ministry that have not been in ministry before here. So thank you so much. We, we got to find a place to plug in. Everybody has to find a place to get plugged into the kingdom. 
That's the, that's the command of the Lord. So thank you for those who did that. Those of you that are about to do that, we appreciate it. Uh, and also, here's another way for you to respond. Um, we have grow groups meeting this week. So the ladies group is meeting tonight at Heather's house. Heather, will you wave at everybody? So it's meeting at her house. If you don't know where she lives, she's here in the city of Bremen. She's not two miles from here. So find out the address and y'all go on and y'all have a good time. Uh, the men's group meets next Sunday in the Coley building. And then Saturday, we have our couples group that's going bowling. So if you would like to go bowling with us, then we would invite you to do that. If you will sign up on the connection card, let us know you're coming because we need to know how many lanes to reserve and all of that kind of deal. But we'll be going to Stars and Strikes in Hiram. Okay, so just let us know that you're coming. Lots of different ways. And the uh, young adult group meets every Thursday at Jordan and Caitlin Weather's house. And again, come see me or put it on the connection card that you're interested in. We'll make sure you get the address and the times and all the details. Okay? So thank you for the ways that you're connecting. Thank you for those who did the two-minute drill this morning. And for those who are going to do it after the service is over today, it's really important we make connections with people. Amen? Wow. It's important that we make connections with people. Amen? Because you can't make disciples without people. Isn't that right? Amen. All right. Turn with me to John chapter 14 today, please. John chapter 14. We'll be reading some in the New Living Translation, some in the NIV. And then when I start reading, I sort of combine like three versions sometimes. So there's that. John chapter 14, verse 12 through 14. This is a startling, this is a startling passage. It's sobering. Let's read it together. Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me, anybody believe in Jesus? Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask me, Who's you? Believers, those who believe in him can ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it so that the son of, uh, so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes. Ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Lord, we are asking now for the glory of the father. We're asking now, God, that you would anoint your word. Lord, the understanding and the hearing of, of your word in our ears. God, for that it would take root in our hearts and that it would grow and bear fruit in our lives. We're living way beneath our means, way beneath our privilege, way beneath our expectations as followers of Christ. And I pray that today that you would begin, if you haven't begun in, in some other time or way, that today you would begin to help us understand what it is your expectation is and what it is you've empowered us to do and give us the courage to step up and step out. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Everybody good today? Yay. All right. If I had to, if I had to summarize the difference, well, first of all, let me say this. Have you noticed that there is a difference in the modern American church and in the New Testament church that we read about? Have you noticed that it's not really quite the same? So if I had to summarize the difference, and I'm sure there's lots of differences, but if I had to summarize the difference between the New Testament church and the modern American church, I think the place to start at least is with one word, and that's power. Power. 
The church we read about in the book of Acts was powerful. The church that we see in existence today, for the most part, is powerless. The church that we, we read about in the, in, the, in the Bible, they were power rich. And modern churches, by and large, are mostly power poor. And that's a problem. It's a problem because we're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to be different. That's why the Lord left us on the earth. So we, but we seem to be overcome by the same problems that the world is overcome by. So if, we're, if we struggle with, the same, with pornography at the same level that people in the world do, and if we struggle in our marriages, and if we struggle with addictions, and if we struggle with our integrity, and we struggle with, with distraction and busyness and spiritual laziness to the point that we're barely discernible from the world, then where is the world going to go for hope? Where is the world going to go to find salvation, to find what they need in Christ? So then you contrast that with what we just read in the scripture, and we realize we're in trouble. Jesus said to his disciples, and this is the last conversation that Jesus had with them before he went to the cross. He was literally walking from the Last Supper in John 13 to the Garden of Gethsemane in John 17 and 18. And this is the last conversation he had, ending with a prayer in chapter 17. And, and he said to the disciples, you're going to do greater things than I've done. You're going to be my representatives to the world. You're going to operate in the same spiritual power that I've operated in. So what's the disconnect for us? Why is it so different for us than it was in the Word? Why don't we see the New Testament church in today's church? Because a world with problems needs a church with power. But by and large, those churches are hard to find. They are more the exception than the rule. Listen, I believe it is God's will for Covenant Life to be a church of power. Will anybody agree with me today? I believe it's God's will that this is a place where people can come and have an authentic, not just encounter, but establish an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. A place where people can find their calling and their purpose. A place where hurting people can be healed and broken people can be mended, where lost people can be found, where hungry people can be fed, where thirsty people can be filled, where empty people can find what they've been searching for. But that means if we're going to be a church of power, that means we have to be people of power. Amen. So it's real easy to get excited about what our church is supposed to be until we stop and slow down long enough to realize that our church will never be what we are not. So, John, how do we, how do, we do that? Well, here's what I've discovered. It's not complicated. It's just not easy. Because if it were easy, the modern American church would already have been doing it. But we are, it, we are depleted of power because it's not easy. It's not five easy steps, right? It's not 30 days to unlimited spiritual power. It's not, it's not here's the magic secret prayer, and then everything is great. It's three simple concepts that we're going to hear woven throughout really these four chapters in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. Three simple concepts in proper balance. 
That's what it is. And I think there's an illustration that I can use today that, that uh, will hopefully help you to see it. So today I want to begin a series called PowerPoints. PowerPoints. Jesus was telling the disciples and through them was telling us all about the power that, that we would need and that we would have to fulfill the purpose of the church, which is to go and make disciples. So uh, the first message today is called Power Plants. Power Plants. How do we become people who operate in uh, and generate spiritual power on this earth? So Jesus told us in this passage how to do it, so that's what we're going to find out. And throughout this conversation, you read these four chapters, you're going to see three words, three concepts uh, woven all throughout this conversation. Okay, so we're going to start in John 14. We're going to look at verse 1, and then we're going to jump to verse 9 through 14. And I really do want you to read the, all four chapters. I just didn't think you would endure it if I tried to do that today. All right, so read all of them. I'm not hiding anything I'm trying to highlight. Okay, Joe, John 14, verse 1, Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So I just read that verse, and we're not at a funeral. Okay, so that's the, that's the funeral thing. You, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Look at verse, verses 9 through 14. Jesus answered, and you can read the questions that this conversation he was having. He said, Don't you even know me, Philip? Even after, uh, even, even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, and this is what we just read in the NIV, uh, we just read a minute ago, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Did you hear that first word? Believe. Believe. Over and over again, Jesus said, believe. That's the first key. Here, here's the, listen for the next two in these, in these next uh, verses. So the very next verse, verse 15, then Jesus said, if you love me, Obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. Now, verses 23 and 24, Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we'll come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. Now, chapter 15, part of the same conversation, verses 9 and 10. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Here's a command, remain in my love. So he's talking about love, right? When you obey my commands, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in his love. So what are the two other words? We have believe and then we have love and obey. Believe, love, and obey. If you are about to tune me out, if you've given me ample time and I have not won you over, then please believe, please write down these three words. Believe, love, obey. Because that is the key to spiritual power. 
And we are going to talk about the different ways. We're going to talk about the, the power source. We're going to talk about power lines. We're going to talk about all kinds of things relating to power, the power points that Jesus was making. But those three things are the key right there. J- Jesus said that's how you have spiritual power. Believe, love, obey. Not one of them individually, and it's not one of those that you get one thing, and then eventually maybe you'll get another thing, and then maybe you add on a third. That's not it. It's all of them together. You say, John, what do you mean about power? Because Jesus didn't say really anything about power that that we just read. I didn't see the word power. He said we're going to do greater things than he did. He said we're going to be able to ask anything in the name of Jesus and receive it. He said we're going to stay connected to him, abiding in him. He said we're going to produce lasting and abundant fruit. That's spiritual power. Would you agree with me? That's spiritual power. And he said the key is in those three words, believe, love, obey. Now, here's the illustration that I hope you will be able to connect with and see how believing, loving, and obeying all works together. So, most of you know, that because I've mentioned it, that Valerie and I planted a garden this year. And and as I was reflecting on my first and possibly last attempt to become Farmer John, I've been trying to put into words my farming, gardening experience. And perhaps the best way to characterize our garden is just, is pretty. Our garden, it was a pretty garden. Valerie's confused. It was a pretty garden. Here's what I mean. We got one pretty good sized watermelon. Um, It tasted pretty good. And that was pretty much it. Uh, It was pretty. That was all I can say. It was not the abundant yield that we were hoping for. It was not the impact on the grocery bill that we were hoping for. It was not the source of pride that we were hoping for. As I was planning to stand there in my overalls with my pitchfork, with Valerie beside me in her frilly apron, (laughs) I I had this all worked out. It just didn't happen. It didn't happen. What we, the reality that we faced in our garden is puny little plants, underdeveloped or non-existent produce, and weeds and grass everywhere. If we had been raising grass, we'd have nailed it. <laughs> the problem is, that's not what we were trying to do. So, uh, it, it, we've, we've come to discover that gardening is not complicated it's just hard. It's hard. It's hot. It's, it, it's, not, it's, not, it's not complicated. It's just hard. It really comes down to three things. The soil, water, and sunlight. That's kind of, that's kind of all. Now, I know you've been, you guys have been farming for like 40 years. You, you, you may know more about it than I do, but those are the three things we messed up. All right, soil, water, and sunlight. If you don't have those three ingredients in their proper balance, it's not going to work. And, and it didn't. So you'll come over today and find that out if you want to. Th- those three things um, correlate with the same three concepts we saw from Jesus. Believe, love, obey. And the spiritual power that we need to grow and produce fruit depends on those three things, just like a plant depends on soil and water and sunlight. So thus the message, power plants. Power plants. 
power plants. You say, well, John, why do we need power? Why are we, why are we worried about producing fruit? Why do we need to do that? John 15 and verse 8, it says this, when you, Jesus said, when you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. Uh-oh. I thought like when I signed the card and came to church sometimes, I was, God's, I was his true disciple. That ain't what he said. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. We need to produce fruit. We need to demonstrate the power of God because it's important to Jesus. He says it's the mark of our discipleship. If we get the three things, believe, love, and obey, we get them in the, in the right proportions in our spiritual lives, then we're going to find a power and we're going to find a level of production that we've never known before. But leave one out or get them out of balance and it's not going to work. And when we're talking about our spiritual lives, we're talking about something far more important than fruits and vegetables. Okay? So here's how the concept uh, of these three things working together, this is, this is how it works. A good garden, or if you want to get really specific, a healthy plant starts with the soil. So I want to, I want to show you this. Soil equals believing. I want to connect those two, the soil and what you believe. You have to get the soil right. You have to get the soil right. Jesus said that in the, in the parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8. Let me show this to you. Verse 4, it's one day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. Jesus said, a farmer went out to plant his seed. He scattered it across his field and some seed fell on a footpath uh, where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among uh, rocks or rocky soil, and it began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. And still other seed fell on good soil or fertile soil, and this seed grew and produced a crop that has a hundred times as much as had been planted. And when he said this, he called out, anyone with ears should listen and understand. Soil is important. Soil is important. If it's too rocky or if it's too sandy uh, or if it has too many weeds, too, many gra- too much grass, it's, it's going to be impossible to grow anything. It's going to be impossible to be productive in that kind of environment. Why? Because it limits or steals the nutrients that are found in the soil. What the plant needs to eat, what the plant needs to be strong and healthy is found in the soil. That's why I equated it with believing. What you believe matters. What you believe matters. I've I've heard people say, well, as long as they love Jesus, they'll be fine. Listen, that, that might be true if a person is truly in love with the Jesus of the Bible, but it's not true of every person. What you believe matters. Because here's an important question. Which Jesus do you believe in? There's a bunch of different Jesuses in, in today's religious culture. You can go to a bunch of different churches, hear a bunch of different kinds of Jesus. You, you, we even have people now that make up Jesus. Well, I believe Jesus to me is, what you mean Jesus to you? He's a person. He described himself in his word. You don't just get to make up what Jesus you serve. He's a person. You don't just, I don't just get to say like, well, Valerie to me is, what you mean to me? It's my wife. She's a person. She defines herself. 
right? So if I want to know what Valerie is or who Valerie is, I, I need to get to know her and who she says she is and who she demonstrates herself to be. That's what this word is. He has described himself, defined himself, and demonstrated himself to be who he says he is. So when we say we love Jesus, we got to make sure we love in the right Jesus. When you say you believe in Jesus, make sure you believe in the right Jesus. Is it grounded in the truth? Is it ground? Did you just make up stuff? Did you just hear it from somebody? Or is it right here in the Word of God? I ain't mad, y'all. I'm just passionate. Okay? Y'all calm down. Believing is important. Believing is connected to trust. It's connected to faith. Because if you don't have, if you don't have foundational truths, what are you going to put your faith in? So where does our faith come from? How do we get faith? How do we get trust? Well, Romans chapter 10, verse 14, it says it this way. How then can they call on the one they haven't believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So you, you, faith has got to come through the word of God being preached to you. And verse 17, it sums it up like this. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. The word of God is the foundation of our belief. It's the foundation of our trust. It's the foundation of our faith. The food, the nutrients that gets put into a healthy plant from the word of God. That's where it comes from. And it has to be the whole counsel of God. You, you, it's got to be the whole book. It's not a buffet. You don't get to pick and choose. You don't just get to come and, and, and serve yourself from what you like and ignore the rest. It has to be the whole truth, rightly divided and, and correctly understood. You can't just focus on your favorite topic. That's where people get in error. That's when, oh, well, well, my God is love. He is love, but he's also just, and he's also holy, and he's also all these other things. So it, it, you have to get in and rightly divide it. Don't just focus on your favorite thing. You can't live off spiritual fluff. Not for long and not very healthy. Not if you're trying to produce good fruit. You, you need the milk of the word until you mature, but you have to mature. And if you're not maturing, that's a problem. Let me show you. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3. He said, dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to the church. He said, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to the world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. <laughs> and you're still not ready, Paul said, because you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another. You quarrel with one another. Doesn't that prove you're being controlled by your sinful nature? Uh, aren't, aren't you living like people of this world? Isn't that what we just talked about? We just talked about that. It's spiritually immature people with no power. And Paul's telling them, you should be spiritually powerful people right now, but instead you're weak and anemic because you're not getting the, the, the word digested like you should. So believing is as important to us as, as well-fed soil is to a plant. Now, what else does a good garden need um, or a good plant? It needs water. It needs a lot of water. I would venture to, to guess that most people's gardens fail because they didn't water enough. It takes a lot of water to grow a, a healthy and strong plant. Why? 
Why is it not enough just to feed the soil? Why isn't it enough just to get good soil to begin with? Because it doesn't matter how many nutrients are in the soil. If you don't water it, those nutrients will never make its way up into the plant. Watering is how you transfer the nutrients into the plant. So spiritually speaking, water, water equates to love. Water equates to love. It's not enough just to believe in Jesus, even if you believe accurately. Even if you believe the right things according to the Word of God, it's not enough. You have to love Him. You have to love Him. And isn't that what Jesus told us? Didn't He say that Christianity could be summed up in two commands, love God and love each other? Didn't He say that? Is that in y'all's Bible? Yeah. Love. That the love of God will cause you to love others and cause you to do the right stuff. All that stuff. You, You say, but I thought it was about what we believe, what we know about the Lord. Well, let me show you what he said about what you know. And that's in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. For anyone who does not love doesn't know God. For love is of God. Or for God is love. Anyone who doesn't love God doesn't know God. John says here, That what you know is no good without love. And isn't that what we just said? That it takes water to activate the nutrients. It takes love to activate the truth. That's why you can't separate truth and love. We we speak the truth in love, right? Isn't that the command? Why? Because they go together to form explosive spiritual power. Truth and love. But by themselves, they're inert and powerless, or they get, they get off and they do things they're not supposed to do. So if getting in the Word is the way to feed the soil, soil of belief, then how do you water your life with love? Well, love is about communicating with the Lord in a personal way. Isn't love about communication? Love is about communicating with the Lord in a personal way. It's belief. If belief is in the head, then love is in the heart. So whatever comes up out of a person's heart is the way you express love to God. Things like worship. Things like prayer. Prayer is how the Holy Spirit, I read the Bible, why do I need to pray? I know the will of God by reading the Bible. The Holy Spirit takes the general principles, the general will of God in the Bible, and he makes it specific to your life. It moves those spiritual nutrients from the Word up in, from the soil of your belief up into your life. You pray most effectively when it's based on the Word of God. Right? You're, you're standing on the promises of God. Last uh, One year ago today, or one year ago this month, Pastor Doug Small came and did a, a, a prayer conference. And you remember what he said we needed to use the Bible for? A prayer book. Use it as a prayer book. We have to water the soil of our belief with prayer. And just like watering a garden, we need a whole lot more of it than we think we do. So prayer is important. What else is a way to express love? Praise and worship. Praise and worship is a way to express love to the Lord. I've heard people say, well, I'm just ready to get all this worship stuff over with so we can get into the Word. That's a person who feeds the soil but doesn't water it. And listen, friend, all that stuff that you've learned about Jesus will remain unactivated in your mind unless and until you learn to water it in with prayer and praise and worship. 
I've heard other people who go to the other extreme and they say, well, let's just worship the Lord for two hours and let's don't interrupt the, the flow with one of those boring messages. Listen, you can water sandy soil. You can water rocky soil. You can water nutritionally depleted soil all you want to, but you're not going to get a healthy plant. You aren't going to have the power to produce unless you have some nutrients in the soil. I have never met a person who truly had authentic spiritual power who was not both a believer and a lover. Committed to the word and committed to, to worship and prayer. It takes both food and water, believing and loving. And then I would be tempted, because it sounds complete, doesn't it? It sounds like a nice little package. And I'd be tempted to say that those two are enough, head and, and heart. But in these four chapters, as Jesus is having this conversation, he continually connects love with obedience over and over again. As a matter of fact, he just flat says, and we already read it, that if you love me, you will do what I say. In Jesus' mind, there's no separation. Obeying Jesus is inseparably connected to loving Jesus. James said it this way. In James chapter 1, verse 22, he said, but don't just listen to God's word. You have to do what it says. Otherwise, you're fooling yourself. And the worst kind of lying is lying to yourself. Look at chapter 2 in the book of James. He says it again. So you see, faith, what you believe, is not enough unless it produces good deeds, obedience. It's dead and useless. In other words, it does you no good to know stuff if you don't do stuff. Amen. In the analogy of the garden, obeying equals sunlight. Or for those of you who enjoy parallelism, sunlight equals obedience. I flipped them around for some reason. It, 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 so how is, how is obedience like sunlight? Because it's hot, <laughs> it's uncomfortable, and it's demanding. But it's absolutely necessary. There is no version of Christianity that's only based on your belief and based on your love for Christ without obeying Christ. Sunlight is what activates photosynthesis. It's what activates photosynthesis. It's what turns nutrients and water into the power to produce. Without sunlight, there'd be no fruit. No matter how good the soil is, no matter how frequently you water, without sunlight, there'd be no fruit. Why is that? Because the heat begins to dry things out to the point that it forces the plant to dig deep into the soil and replenish itself with the water and the nutrients. It's what, start, it's what gets the cycle going. That's what happens when we start to obey the call of God on our lives, to do the work of the kingdom. It causes us to get hungry and get thirsty. Then when we start to dig, that, that's when we start to dig into the Word of God to, to get the nutrients out that we need. That's when we start to call out to Him in prayer. That's when we start to connect with Him in worship, when we actually get started doing something. When we truly start believing in Him and loving Him, then we start to obey. So obeying, obeying means serving, but it also means being obedient to the commands of Christ. Of, of carrying out his character and nature. Like when he says to put off the old man and put on the new. So it's getting the sin out. It's pulling the weeds. It's pulling the grass that steal the nutrients and prevent us from producing fruit. 
You say, well, listen, John, that sounds great, but I'm, I'm just not ready to obey yet. I love the Lord. I believe all the things that he says in the word. I'm just not ready to, to obey. I'm waiting for my faith to grow. Listen to me. You'll be waiting forever. Your faith will not grow until you use what you have. That's how it works. Why would God increase our faith to sit and do nothing? We have to take, and everybody's given the measure of faith, we have to take what we have and put it to work. It's like, it's like lifting weights. I know I clearly have no personal experience with this, but people who lift weights tell me that that's the way your muscles grow is by putting it into practice with some resistance against you. That's getting, that's, that's obeying. That's obeying. That's how your faith grows is through obedience. So obedience turns what we believe and who we love into what we do. It turns what we believe and what we love into what we do. And then when we, when we start to act on what we know because we love Jesus, we produce a harvest of fruit that's pleasing to the Lord and is beneficial to the people around us. We will be people of power, but it takes all three in proper balance, head, heart, and hands. You say, John, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still not sure I'm with you. I think you're just kind of pulling this out of Scripture, uh, out of context. I think if you just love the Lord, then everything's okay. So let me show it to you in another place. Matthew chapter 22, completely different conversation, completely different context. You've, you've heard, if you've been in church, you've heard this 127 times. This person comes to Jesus, says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? The most important. Jesus said... You have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And you're like, aha, I got you. He said, all you have to do is love. He said, love with all your heart. That's the love part. He said, love with your mind. That's the believing part. He said, love with your soul. That's the decision-making part, your will. That's the obedience part. You love me in, in, in your emotions. You love me in, you know, in your heart. You love me in your mind. You love me in your obedience. Even when Jesus is talking about loving him, he means all three, believing, loving, obeying, heart, a head, heart, and hands. You, can't, you cannot just say, well, I'm a thinker. Spiritually speaking, I'm just a thinker. I think deep spiritual thoughts. You can't just say, well, I'm a lover. I just love on the Lord. You can't say, well, I'm a doer. I just do stuff. That may be how you naturally approach things, but it has to be all three in proper balance. Here's what happens when you get them out of balance. Obedience without love and belief. So if you obey, but, but you're not focused on love and, and believing, that's legalism. That's legalism. It's follow these rules, do these things, say these things, don't do or say these things, appear to be like everybody else, come in and dress like everybody, talk like everybody, and you're going to be fine. That's legalism, and it doesn't produce the fruit of the kingdom. There's no power there. There's no power. This is the person, a person who's focused on obedience without love and belief is the person that shows up for church each week because of the outreaches or because of the social justice. Maybe even just for the fellowship. They've learned to act like everybody else and it makes them feel good. They may even feel like they're a better person because they hang out with Christians. 
but their actions aren't rooted in any love for Christ, and they're not rooted even in any understanding of his teachings. They just like the activity of the church. They just like nice people doing nice things. I've also seen obedience without love and belief can be workaholism. There's lots of workaholics in the church. Lots of people who do stuff but have no other connection to God. I've known people who only connect with God or with the church by doing stuff. They're not worshipers. They're, they're, they're not really ones to study the Bible either. As long as they've got a place to serve, they're good. But when they're, when they're not actively engaged in, in serving, then, then they don't know what to do. It's not okay. It's not okay to serve someone you don't love and don't know. It's not okay to serve someone that you don't love and that you don't even believe in, especially when that person is Jesus. You have to balance, you have to find that balance in your life. Or, and if you don't, then what you produce is not going to be spiritual fruit and it's not going to generate spiritual power. Here's the, here's the second thing, belief. So if you believe without loving, without obeying, that's called Gnosticism. And that's a big old honking Greek word, but it's the oldest form of heresy in the Bible. It was what the, the apostles fought against all the time. And a lot of the things you see in the New Testament is, is trying to combat Gnosticism. It's this dependent on knowledge. There were people who thought, if I can just learn stuff, then that's going to exalt me to the level of God has nothing to do with relationship. These are people who know the Bible backwards and forwards, but they don't do any of it themselves. They, they use what they know to find mistakes in sermons, so they terrorize pastors. They terrorize other people, they terrorize believers who are less learned for whatever reason, or, or they just use their knowledge to impress people with their knowledge. A lot of times they enjoy preaching. They're all about good preaching and they evaluate it and they appreciate it. Like the people who used to show up to hear the prophet Ezekiel preach. They loved his preaching. They just never did any of it. And that's the way these people are. They love the preaching. They just have no interest in obeying its teachings nor loving its author. Paul said these people are always accumulating knowledge but never really coming to the truth because the truth is a person, and that's Jesus Christ. Here's the, here's the last way that you get it out of balance. Love without obedience and belief is just spiritualism. Spiritualism. You'll see how fuzzy spiritualism is? Those are my fuzzy fingers there, okay? It, it's prayer or worship, but it's not rooted in Jesus it's not rooted in His truth. There has to be a focus to your worship. Who are you worshiping? So a person who does this is, is a person who loves the feeling and the energy of worship, but they love, the, they love the quiet meditation of prayer, but they're not interested in the biblical foundation of it. And, and, and they're not interested in changing their actions. They're not interested in changing their attitudes, their behaviors. They just chase an experience. So they just chase wherever the hottest thing is going on. They're just going to run and show up there to get a feeling because they love, but they don't believe anything and they don't obey anything. 
And that person is really, really easy to lead astray because so much of what they experience is rooted in their emotions and in their feelings without a specific set of unchangeable truths that you, that you, that you evaluate your feelings and your emotions by. Okay, so let me show you this principle one last time, and we're going to close. Because my, my goal today is that you learn these three words, and that's the key to this entire series, that you believe, that you love, and that you obey. And I want to show it to you again in John 15, verses 5 through 10. So this is another part of that conversation. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. You've heard this? Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Because apart from me, you can't do anything. Anyone who doesn't remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. He's like, John, what, what, what does that mean? Well, we don't really have time to get into that, but it ain't good. It's not good. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask anything you want and it'll be granted. When you produce much fruit, you're my disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you. So he just said, when my words, that's your belief. And then he says, I loved you even as the Father loved me. So here's a command, remain in my love. See, okay, so now we're talking about love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. You just see them there, all three of them, believing, loving, obeying. That's the only way that we'll ever be able to do the works of Jesus is to remain in Jesus. And if we remain in Jesus, then we have to believe in him. We have to love him. We have to obey him. And when we do, we produce much fruit. We'll be power plants, spiritual people producing spiritual fruit with spiritual power. That's the church that Jesus is calling us to be. A soul-saving, life-changing church that looks like Jesus, and listen, whose members act like Jesus. A New Testament church that'll make a difference in our community, that'll make a difference among our friends and our family members who desperately need to experience the God of this Bible. Why don't you stand with me, please? You say, John, I am, um, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm powerless. I admit it, I'm powerless. When the sun gets hot, I just wither. I just, I have no strength to stand. So check the soil that you're living in. What, what do you believe? How much, how much spiritual food are you eating? And what are you eating? And check the water. How much time are you spending in prayer? How much time, how much focus are, do you have on praise and worship? Is it just something to get through? Or are you honestly trying to connect with God in those moments? Or maybe you say, John, listen, I'm not even going to play with you today. I don't even get in the sun. I, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not only not doing the works of Jesus, I ain't really doing anything. I'm just trying to survive from day to day. Then take, take the time to see what you know and who you love and then get busy obeying him obeying him you will never find what you're looking for 
you'll never find what you need until you look in Jesus. You'll find your fulfillment, you'll find your call, you'll find your purpose. You can chase it in a lot of different ways, in doing something else or in doing nothing, but you'll never find your your purpose and your fulfillment and your peace in your life until you find what God wants you to do. So we're gonna, we're gonna pray in just a second. I'm gonna pray for everybody. And then this altar is gonna be open for you to come and pray about anything that you've got going on in your life, whether it's a, a physical need, a financial need, a relationship issue, a spiritual issue. Maybe it's in relationship to what we just talked about. Whatever it is, if you need to come and, and meet the God who exceeds what you are able to understand, ask, or even imagine, then this is your opportunity to do that. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.